Welcome to Fear and Greed, the week ahead. I'm Sean Aylmer, and as always, at this time on a Monday morning, I'm joined by economist Stephen Kukulis. You'll find him at thekook.com, T-H-E-K-O-U-K.com, and on Twitter using the handle The Kook. Stephen, good morning. And a very good morning to you, Sean. Well, what a week for the Reserve Bank last week. We will briefly mention the minutes that came out on Tuesday, but all the big news came at the end of the week. Yeah, the minutes were for the month of April where they paused. That was the pause decision. And I think when we reflect on what they were considering, it was either a pause or a 25-point hike. They weren't sort of unambiguously going, we've definitely finished our rate hiking cycle. So the Margaret interpreted that and some of the other language about full employment, about inflation being sticky, not falling as rapidly as they would like, as a signal that the next board meeting in May will also have a bias to hike interest rates. Obviously, and we'll touch on this shortly, the inflation numbers that come out later this week will be critical in whether they go or whether they pause. Hmm. Righto. Let's get on to the good stuff. Will Phil Lowe keep his job, Stephen? Look, I think he's read the tea leaves and not just the tea leaves, but the review of the RBA board. And I think what the government is wanting to do, and of course, remember, they're the ones that uh, pass the legislation for the Reserve Bank Act, and they're the ones that appoint the board. They want a clean sweep of the Reserve Bank. And I think for Phil, that means, or for Dr. Lowe, that means he's unlikely to be reappointed. I think part of the revamp from the review of the RBA will include a new governor. Obviously, it's going to include the new monetary policy board, which is yet to be determined exactly what makeup that's going to be. But I think for Dr. Lowe, you know, a seven years at the top job, which is a pretty good stint in anyone's language, I think it's unlikely he'll be reappointed. Okay. So if you look at the review last week, I mean, the gist of it, what's your take from it? What I mean, what are the two or three things that you think, oh, okay, this is what they're really trying to do? The two or three things, and it it came through when uh, Treasurer Chalmers and Governor Lowe gave their uh, press conferences announcing the changes. A lot of the things had been on the agenda for many years. So reducing the number of board meetings from 11 to 8 per year, yep, that's fair enough. They met a little bit too frequently, arguably, so they're more following the mode of the Fed in the US. And meeting too frequently means you've got got to make up a decision when perhaps you don't need to. More transparency, so having press conferences after each board meeting, that's another thing that's yeah, pretty clear and obvious and should have been, could have been done even without the review. The other one, which is a bit different, is setting up a different board structure for the monetary policy deliberations. That is a different thing and getting monetary policy experts, and I don't know quite what that means at this stage, whether it's academics or people who have had experience in financial markets. Oh, Stephen, Stephen, don't play yourself down here. No, no, no. Don't play yourself down here. Oh, sure, no. I'm starting a lobbying campaign, the kook on the board. Oh, look, you know what? <laughs> if it was offered, I'd take it, but I think monetary policy would be a bit too erratic for my um, for my deliberations. But, you know, so that monetary <laughs> policy board, we'll see exactly how it pans out too, but that is that is a big reform. But, again, it's something that I think was on, on an agenda anyway, that we knew the Reserve Bank board had made errors over the last uh, few years and, yeah, just getting different personalities, different people who know about capital markets, who know about the way monetary policy functions is a good thing. Okay, so that was last week. We've got a huge week this week as well. Of course, we've got Anzac Day tomorrow, but on Wednesday, we get the March quarter CPI and the Reserve Bank has made it pretty clear that whatever comes out on Wednesday will have a very, very large impact on whether we're going to get more rate hikes. Spot on. Yes, that's exactly it. And that's what the minutes from uh, that were released last week confirmed too. It's about inflation. So, and this is what we in financial markets have been working on last week and even uh, we'll work on before uh, Wednesday's release of the um, 
inflation data, what is the threshold for a 25-point hike or a pause? And I think as I'm sort of working out what that might mean, if we get a quarter-on-quarter increase in the CPI of, say, 1.0, that probably means the RBA will be on hold in May. If we get a figure of 1.3, 1.4, that probably means they hike. So it's all really important. Of course, the trimmed mean and the underlying measures will also be part of that uh, deliberation. So really, they want to see you know a meaningful deceleration from that quarterly year-on-year peak of 7.8%. If we get a figure, say, of 1.0, that drops the year-on-year figure to about 6.7, so still high but a nice downward leg in the inflation rate. They'd probably say, look, we've got a lot in the pipeline. We know there's other pressures coming down and we will pause. So it is absolutely critical. So within, I dare say, 20 seconds of the number being released on Wednesday, we'll have a fair idea whether it's pause or we do get that next 25-point rate hike. And just quickly, the PPI, that won't get anywhere near the attention that the CPI gets, but the producer price index is pretty important too. It is, yes. It generally doesn't get the coverage that the CPI gets because it's not – specifically the mandate, it is consumer price inflation that the RBA looks at. However, there's a lot of issues in there. It does include the cost of you know, materials that businesses use. You know, one of the things that's been evident there has been the construction costs issue. And that's where we're seeing a lot of these um, construction companies, particularly in Queensland, but also other places in Victoria and the like, they're collapsing because the cost of materials construction materials is increasing so much. So we'll look at the PPI and again, hopefully see some deceleration in the cost of running a business. That'd be nice, Stephen. Have a great week. Thank you, Sean. You too. That was economist Stephen Kukulis, better known as The Kook. You can find him at thekook.com and follow him on Twitter using the handle The Kook. I'm Sean Aylmer and this is Fear and Greed, the week ahead. 